Nice to see you tonight in the house of God. Amen. Let's turn to the scripture tonight. We'll turn to two places. Exodus chapter 12. Very familiar place. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3. Another familiar scripture. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I texted Brother Nathan, neighbor today, and Sister Rachel and said it's their last Wednesday night of their whole life to be single. And it's true. Nathan responded. He said, I'm ready to get married. Amen. So, amen. It's wonderful. Amen. To be married to Christ. Back in uh, January, uh, God was dealing in our hearts on a certain inspiration, a certain thought. And that was uh, raising children in times of crisis. And then uh, as the weeks went uh, by, uh, I just changed it a little bit for tonight. And that is token families in times of crisis. That's what we want to speak on tonight. Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, familiar token scripture. The Lord speaking, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Friends, we should be thankful we're on the Lord's side. Because God is holding back judgment on this generation. And the token is very positive. But we live in a very dark age. Very negative age. In verse 13, he's speaking to us and to them then... And the blood shall be for you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be able, shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Isn't it good we have a place of refuge? The blood shall be to you for a token. Tonight, the blood is the life. It's our token. Upon the houses, what houses are we building him tonight? Upon the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. When I smite the land of Egypt, it's thus saith the Lord. The token is over our families. Can we go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and then we'll have a word of prayer? We're certainly living in perilous times. Paul prophesied of this day. Brother Branham said, I preached what Paul preached. And any anointed minister under the rapture anointing will be saying what Brother Branham said. Any ministry that is for the bride elect believes the message. We're, we might make some strong shake statements tonight. It might shake us out of our Laodicean mentality that everybody's going. Not everybody's going. It's those that have the life applied. 
the blood applied. So our New Testament scripture is 2 Timothy 3, 3, verse 1. Paul said, this know also. There's other things that he was speaking to them about, but this know also. That in the last days, perilous times shall come. Not might come, or in the middle ages, or just after I leave you, but in the last days. Perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Is this our our days? Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce. Despisers of those that are good. Traitors. Heady. They'll be high-minded. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And Paul didn't say, make these your friends. Let this be your peer group. Let this be the people that you rally around with. No, he said, from such turn away. Flee to Christ. If you have Christ, you have everything. I wonder as we bow our heads tonight, who would just maybe slip up your hand and say, Lord, feed my soul tonight. Minister to my spirit. Touch my body, Lord. Many are weak among us, Lord. Many hands are lifted up. Both of my hands are lifted up. We are a needy people. We're living in the last days. We say that thanking you because it's a glorious day. Because the token, the blood is applied. We're trembling on one side. We are burdened on on one side. And on the other side, our hearts are rejoicing. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth us out of them all. We're here to give you praises tonight, Lord, and give you glory, give you honor. Oh, Father, we just want to thank you for being a good father. You have carried your home affairs just right. You've taken care of your bride just right. Every son and every daughter, you have loved them unconditionally. We thank you, Father. Flow through us, Lord Jesus. Many in the assembly that are here, they sacrifice Some aren't here tonight. They're home. They're sick in their body. Would the angel of the Lord come by their way? Would they sense the breath of the Holy Spirit? Cleansing. Away the germs and the coldness and the flus. Everything that's not of you, take it out of our bodies, Lord. Anything in our spirits that has clogged up, Lord, the arteries of our lives. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. You are mighty God to comfort us in the times of trouble. Though on the outward man we might seem to stumble, our inward man is strong day by day. Father, we've never, we've never regretted a day serving you. And tonight is no difference. You know myself, we feel very little speaking before the blood bought and especially these men of great gifts in our assembly, I tremble. These are your people, Lord, and we are the sheep of your pasture. And we do live in times of crisis. 
But we're thankful that the blood has been applied. Your spirit is here tonight. The Holy Ghost is present, Father. And would you fill the houses, fill the temples. May every seed and elect heart be germatized, quickened, made alive. Tonight there could be a momentary resurrection. That we could help lift up someone over across the field, across the fence. And we could see you face to face, Jesus. And know that our redemption draweth very nigh. The rapture is very nigh. The resurrection is very nigh. Jesus, come and fill the sanctuary, the fellowship hall, the nursery, the foyer, out into the internet, Lord, the airwaves, even. I'm sure one of our deacons tonight needs a touch from you. I just pray you touch him, Father, and bless your people once again in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You have your seats tonight and be strengthened as you hear the word. I'm glad our family's in the house of God. and God bless you for coming so faithful over the years and been so good. And our visitors, I, I just pray that God will bless you. Token families in times of crisis. And when we look in 2 Timothy 3.1, again, if you have your Bible there, don't want to be long tonight. Paul said in the last days that perilous times shall come. And I know this scripture has been spoken on a lot. But this is the last days and it has arrived. And when Paul said that it would be perilous times, he wasn't joking. He meant they would be fierce times. They would be hard to take. They would be hard to do. It would be hard for the children to live in this time. It would be hard for teenagers To live in this time. That's what Paul was saying. It would be times that would be hard to bear. They would be troublesome times and dangerous. Actually in the Greek it means they would be savage. Times would be savage. To where even middle aged people would, would, uh, would be reduced in their strength. Even the elders would wonder, where have we gone and what is happening? That's Satan. That wants to reduce your strength. I think it's good for us to reach for the pillars tonight. And we are token families. To know that though we're living in times of crisis and they are harsh times. Satan is not against us. Lucifer is not our friend. Even now Satan wants to dull our mind and zone us out. But Wednesday nights are good times for us to... Come in into the house. Come in under the blood. Even if you've lost your joy or lost your victory, the family's in the house. I want to say this about what Paul said about perilous times, that they would be hard to take. But it would also be times where people would want to let down and Satan would want to strike you to cause you to loosen your faith and loosen your grip. Those that had an experience before, he's wanting to bring a question in your mind. You that are raising your families. I've noticed it personally over the years when people raise families in the message and maybe one tends to go astray or maybe two. It doesn't just affect that person, but it affects the whole family. 
And even strong believers can begin to waver and question their own experience. And tonight we want to look at that as Satan wants us to loosen our grip and slacken our faith. He wants us to relax. He wants us to let down from a higher place and take a lower. Just take a lower. You know, in Jeffersonville, Brother Branham was speaking about a home life crisis. He used that word. He said, we have a home life crisis. It seems like the home life is running out into shallow water. It used to be in a home that a father, the head of the home, would sit down of a morning. He would speak with his family. And they would all take out the old family Bible and read just a little bit and all gather around the table and have prayer. He said, you don't see that no more. And when the day was done and Ma had the dishes washed and they'd all gather in and read some more of the Bible and pray before going to bed. Juvenile delinquency certainly was a hard thing to find in them days. The boys all went to the fields to work. And the girls helped mom with washing down at the creek. But today, I believe he was a modern day prophet. He was trying to link the people from their natural lives to see the spiritual. I think we can be spiritual tonight. He said, but today we just push a little button and the dishes are all done and ma's in the car and she's rattling around the streets and the work's done by a tractor. And we just don't have nothing but just a bunch of lazy, idle people. And home life is so neglected till the Bible is laid back and till they have to hunt for an hour to find one in many homes in America. But I pray not at Cloverdale Bible Way. I pray God would would, would restore us and restore homes that have been neglected. Forgive me, the last time I spoke, I want to interject something right here. As Brother Branham talked about a home life crisis, there was a quote I had last time uh, that I, I failed to read to you. But in line with this home life crisis and home life being neglected, there was a God who was rich in mercy that said this to a prophet. God is interested in everything you anticipate in. Your walk of life... God is interested. God is interested in you. You are his child. He is rich in mercy. He wants to do for you. Isn't that wonderful tonight? Just to know that God is interested in your home life. He's he's interested in things that are in a crisis. You know, Brother Tom Frey... And his son Nathaniel drove down to California Tuesday. Today they're with brother Tom's father. That they've had to put a feeding tube in. And it's had a fever this week. And he might pass along. We, we don't know uh, the day nor hour when God would call one of us home. But as, as the church has gotten older. As lives have gotten older. And families have gotten older. We are faced with the reality of these things. And many times um, uh, we've been talking about expectations coming into 2019. And, and our first service, we spoke about our expectations. And uh, we spoke about 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by February. We're already in the first week of February. Hello, everyone. 
So 80% of people are failures. They're already looking for something that will satisfy. They've made expectation. They made resolutions. And they've already failed. Our vision has got to look just beyond our bodies or our spirits. It's got to be tapping into a deeper realm. Do we believe that tonight? It's, the token is much deeper than just a surface applying the blood in word only. We talked about our expectations for the new year. It can't just be something of science or our looks or to just improve something in the natural. You will find over time, many times you fail, uh, even as a person. Uh, the last time we spoke, we spoke on God's expectations. And I want to say again tonight, God's expectations will never fail. Can we let the devil know that tonight? God has expectations. He has desires. He has the rapture in his mind. He has you in a new body. God expects us to be his victory. So there's no losers in God. He's interested in your life. But tonight I'd like to bring in a third element, and that is uh, the enemy, Lucifer, the devil, has expectations. Satan has expectations. And I want to say tonight, he's our enemy. Satan is our enemy. He does not want your good. He does not want my good. He's not interested in the good of your family to keep things together. Satan hates this church. He hates the message believers. His job is to tear us down. He wants to destroy your faith and get you cold and indifferent. But I'm glad in this evil age, when affection has been taken away, we can hear messages like last Sunday night, the love of God, that can reach into our souls and bring us out of that. Satan's mission is to hurt you. You know, the devil has expectations in 2019. And that is to destroy the bride. We've gone on in the message many years. It's gone around the world. As we heard on Sunday morning, there's thousands being baptized in Uganda and other places. And you may wonder how it seems like a few here, a few there. We've heard a lot of messages. We've been in a lot of meetings. Can I say this tonight? We've heard more than our share. There's others that have not heard a fraction of what we've heard. But Satan is out to destroy us. And we are living in a time of crisis. The world is in crisis. We're going to talk about it in just a little bit. Different conditions of people and how they respond to crisis. But I want to say some statements right at the beginning. Satan is here to rape God's people. He has nothing good about your virtues. He wants to take them away. To destroy you. He wants to bring you over on his side. Where there's judgment. Where there's fears. Where there's anxieties. And I think it'd be good tonight to send it right back to Satan. That in the time of crisis, we will not be demoralized and pushed into a corner. And feel like all is lost. You might be weary with the battle. But this is the time to rally in your heart. We are in a token family. And God already sees us in the promised land. Over on the other side. 
We're going to get into that in a little bit in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all the scriptures, Joshua and Judges. He always spoke to the people, when you come into your land, when you are in your land, it's not if you make it or none of those questions. We're not part of the ten princes that were there that brought fear to the people. We're not interested in you going back to your homes and fretting and worrying, wondering where you stand with God. I think it'd be good for God just to settle that tonight. Satan wants to abuse the lives of the elect. He cares nothing about your joy and your peace and your comfort. That's why people live on the edge. It's like they live on the edge and every little thing pushes them over the edge. We need to run into Christ and get as close as we can to the inside track. And not being seen how close we can live and then some calamity strikes. Something happens. It's like people live on the edge financially, live on the edge emotionally, spiritually. They just always live on the edge and God is here to restore that back. And if that's been neglected, it's time to restore that and God to bring that back to you. Satan is out to to divide and conquer the body of Christ. And Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Brother Branham said, this is the great thing. Remember, in the last days, sounds like Paul, in the last days, we'll exactly go back and vindicate the first day. Adam and Eve, husband and wife, no sin, just life. Then the fall. Notice closely, he's talking about Eve and how Satan twisted her up. Have you ever felt twisted up? Anybody here? You just feel twisted up on the inside. That's the same devil that was in the garden coming back at the end to twist up Eve. But we have a promise this bride won't fall. I want you to think about this, friends. Adam and Eve fell in a perfect Eden. It was perfect. And God has more confidence in you and I to put us in a a Laodicea, a crisis generation, where there isn't faith and love out there. It's only in the elect is there perfect love. Only in the house of the believers is there real joy. Let that strike your heart tonight. Adam and Eve fell in a perfect Eden. And the bride is in a perverse, trouble-filled, savage, evil generation. And God is going to bring you through this. I don't know how many of you are going to make it. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. It's time for you to draw the line in the sand instead of the devil drawing the line and tiptoeing around. It's time for you to say, I stand with Christ. I stand with the word. I'm part of a token family. Then brother, brother Branham brought up the enemy's name and he called him Lucifer. He said, Lucifer is doing now as he did it the first time. He's bringing up Lucifer, our enemy. He said, Lucifer in the last days is doing as he did at the first. What did Lucifer do? The first thing Lucifer done was to separate the fellowship of God and man. 
He wanted to build him a united kingdom, a great splendor and seemingly more cultured, a greater kingdom than Michael Christ had. Lucifer at the beginning, his purpose and heart was to achieve a brighter and greater thing in heaven than Christ had. By seemingly a more cultured and more beautiful and more splendor than the kingdom of Christ. Then Brother Branham asked the question, do you think we'll have automobiles in the millennium? And airplanes? Then God help us today. If we spend more time massaging our automobiles and wanting to go on airplanes. You're a little quiet tonight. I hope you're feeding just fine. But Lucifer, what he's doing tonight is exactly what he was doing back then. He came in a time of peace to bring havoc. He's come in this generation to bring crisis and to bring a neglect. And to bring home crises. Church crises. National crises. Believe me, the state of the union is not well. And they can have prime time audiences and speak as great orators and wow the millions. But God knows it's falling apart. And Satan is hanging on and he's a liar. He's a deceiver. Can I encourage you tonight? Don't get deceived by Hollywood. Let's all the clappings and all the laughings and all the stories move their hearts and lull them to sleep. It is not all well. It is not all well. And Canada is the same. They have sought to build a more beautiful, cultured kingdom than God's kingdom of the word and lowly and simple. And don't let that wave your heart into a place where your strength is gone and you're feeding off things. That's Lucifer's job tonight. Let me just go back to my last comment about Lucifer and his expectations. It is to continue. He is going to continue bombarding against your body. Your spirit is going to keep getting bombarded. Your soul is going to keep getting bombarded. And he's persistent. He's constant. When he sees you don't flinch or you ward it off, he grabs another one. What can I do today? What can I do this week? What can I do this month? Be ready for it this year. Satan is going to bombard your spirit. It's more than a pill we need. It's more than a little natural substitute and some natural leaf. Lucifer is doing the same thing today. Bringing a hybrid church, hybrid members, hybrid knowledge instead of the word. They're intellectual men that are, instead of being born again, they're building an intellectual kingdom. I'm quoting Christ as the mystery. It should be no mystery. When you look at their halls of learning and them forcing you by their intellect to go in a certain direction. Let me just say something here. Who believes in the Holy Ghost on a person? That there ought to be red buzzers and flags going off in the individual. You don't need someone else always telling you this and showing you that. It's already in the Word of God. 
We're not just in the planting season. We're at the harvest time. We're at the time where individuals and marriages and families and churches are reaping the harvest of years in the message. And I say, God, help us. Satan wants to move you down a track of crisis and crashing and sparks, things going sideways. And the Holy Spirit's trying to bring the family, a token family. I'm glad I'm part of that. Do you know way back before there was even an earth and before there was even men and women on earth, there was a war in heaven? Who knows that? And Lucifer was fighting against Michael. He said, it's the devil doing the same thing. What is it that did that? Fallen angels. The Bible said it was fallen angels who listened to Lucifer instead of Christ. Who they once belonged to. Amen. Brother Caleb, just watch it closely. Help me out. Fallen angels that were with Christ and worshipped him, they fell. They were deceived. They rubbed shoulders with them. They fellowship with them. But as time went on, they believed Lucifer. Because it was shiny. It was good. It was more acceptable. It was the path of least resistance. And on this side, Michael, Christ was trying to encourage them. Come to your place. Eat off the tree. How many thousands and millions fell from that place? But do you know the same battle is back on earth again tonight? Fallen angels that are listening to Lucifer instead of the word. Brother Branham said, listen close, fallen angels. What kind of angels? Luther, Wesley, Catholic, Pentecostals. Who kept not their first estate like the angels did. And has fell into organization like Lucifer's main hold. Do you see Lucifer at his work? I think this assembly should be able to see Satan at his work. That we're not in Luther's day. We're not in Wesley's day. We're not just in a Pentecostal age. But the token was an unveiling of Christ in our day. Brother Bradham goes on to say how these fallen angels sold out to reasoning. Oh, it's not so bad. And you don't have to be like Michael, like Christ. Just take a, it's a least path. You know, you don't want to say anything. They sold out to reasonings like Eve did and fallen angels did. And he said, Wesley was a man of God, but what followed him? Fallen angels got into it. And what was the angels first? They were creative beings of God, but fell for Lucifer's wisdom and fell, he said again, for Luther's wisdom. And you see what they become? Fallen angels. Organizations from men of God who has went forth to establish truths in the earth. Before that truth could go on and proclaim, it got out in the real revelation of Christ. Fallen angels come in and took it over and made denominations out of it. But I'm glad he didn't stop there. Has anybody been doing their homework on Christ as the mystery of God revealed? Anybody here? I think Brother Mike and Sister Debbie just finished theirs on Tuesday night. Monday night, I'm sorry. We finished ours on Monday night. 
It's just we had something Tuesday night, something Wednesday night. We got a wedding on Saturday. It's like, honey, we need to finish this. And by the grace of God, we rejoiced in that. But I'm glad for you that there's a desire to cleave a hold of the word. He said, there's only one thing that can happen. There has to be a message at the end time when there's nothing else can follow it. Here is Lucifer at his job again today. And remember, the Antichrist is not communism. I know this sounds, it might not even phase you tonight. But back in the 60s, everybody was saying communism, communism, communism. And a prophet went against the grain. He said, don't fear communism. It's Romanism. It's still the same today. In all their pomp and trying to bring it together under a one world government, it'll never work. Brother Branham said he, and remember the Antichrist is not communism. The Antichrist is so close, like the real thing, till it'll deceive the very elect, if it was possible. Jesus said in Matthew 24, the elected, if it was possible. It's not possible to deceive you. Hallelujah. I, I mentioned this here before. My father and mother took us to a lot of meetings over the years. And I appreciate that. But finally, it wasn't one meeting where a certain man was preaching on let us run, let us run. And he quoted that scripture that it would deceive the very elect if it was possible. But he stopped and he said, but it's not possible. And that dropped down into a little young man's heart. Don't leave the question there. Feed them positive. If the token's positive, you cannot be deceived. But that's why when you are deceived, the word comes to break you out of that. If you're shaken tonight and gone worldly, let the word bring you back straight again. I just love the Lord Jesus. He does this before the catching away. That shows that you're his seed. Hallelujah. Lucifer comes in his cunningness. I'm going to break off after this. So just hold on here. I know I'm, I'm reading just a little bit. But Lucifer is breaking God's unity in man. I'm quoting again. By limiting the word of God to his reasonings. What he thinks that's right. And what he thinks, he breaks the word of God. Lucifer comes in in his cunningness and breaks the unity of God to man. Just like he did in the garden. By great temptations of promises of self-power and exaltations. While you might become a bishop if you just stay with us. You might become a district presbyter. What would you, what would you go and do something like that? He said, that's Pentecostal, that's the Catholic and so forth. But a great false promise to men to receive power outside of the word and the promise of God. My, when I hear that, I say, Lord, unleash your power through the word of God. Break the yokes, Lord. Satan is out to give you a false promise. To give you a false power outside of the word. He said you receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Not when you become a bishop or a deacon or whatever he was. But Lucifer is at his job again. Who believes Satan is at his job tonight? 
But who knows God is at his job tonight. The world is falling apart. But God's kingdom is being established. God's putting stone and revelation into your life. Satan wants to rape, tear away and abuse you. And God's giving you what you have need of. Speaking words to you. Let's go to 2 Timothy again, chapter 3, verse 1. Tonight I wanted to speak more from my heart. I went into a few of those quotes there, and I, I see some are very weary. I pray God will heal you that are sick tonight in the house of God. I pray if there's marriages in our church that are on the rocks, that God would blow you back out into sailing clear waters. I pray if there's young people in our church that need an experience with God. I'm speaking from my heart now. That God do whatever it takes. It might be a visiting minister. It might be somebody else. If there's a single person here that is wayward in your heart and is cold on God and indifferent, that God would speak to you somehow. And awaken you. I pray for our church. That God would help all of us get out of the way more. To reach souls and hearts that are right among us. That need the Lord Jesus. I want to speak here in Second Timothy chapter 3. What Paul said this know also that in the last days. Perilous times shall come. And tonight we're speaking on token families in times of crisis. But I want to take first this thought of crisis. I want you to listen really closely. I'm actually going backwards speaking of times of crisis. Because crisis speaks of a disaster. You know, things could go along for years. Really good in your life, in your family. It could go along really, really good. And then all of a sudden, bam, something happens. It's like it was sudden. It's like, where did that come from? Or how did that happen? Is that true? We would say disaster struck. In times of crisis, that's a disaster. It's a catastrophe. It's like something coming in and it's just... Tearing and pulling and that's a time of catastrophe. Friends, we are living in the last days in a time of catastrophe. It means a time of emergency. When things are good, when you're healthy, you don't need the hospital. But all of a sudden something happens as happened in the last week. And things begin to move and happen. All of a sudden it's an emergency. All of a, and I'm not even speaking locally. It can happen around the world amongst the believers, amongst other churches. And it's an emergency. It's 911. It's crisis. Times of calamity. This is speaking of crisis. And times of great predicament where men and women don't know what to do. It's like that came out of nowhere. I I didn't plan that for New Year's resolutions or 2019. We're so positive. We're, We're so believing. And then something strikes. 
Something comes from left field. Something comes from right field. It might move through a relationship. It might come through your work. It might come through your health. And all of a sudden something happens and it just, it strikes and it begins to move things in another direction. It's times of crisis. I want to go back to this that thought about things might be going along really good and all of a sudden, bam! But I thought about that as, I think it was Brother Murphy that mentioned the message, warning before judgment. Is everyone listening? And I listened to that message this week and I thought, what about the warnings? What about the Holy Spirit that was that was warning and sending out messages of warning and buzzers and red flags. Because sometimes we think it was sudden, it was abrupt, it was right away. But for the believer, it is not always so. God warns a man. He'll warn a woman. Do you believe that? You that have the Holy Ghost, there's a buzzer inside of you. We're not prophets like Brother Branham, but sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit. I thought about the warning signs and the dealings of the Holy Spirit over the years and Him constantly speaking. And I'm going to say some things pretty much plain tonight. Very plainly, God will send a warning out. It's not even a shot across the bow. It is a word that is fitly spoken. Bang on. Thus saith the Lord. And if that is not heeded. It moves the individual. Into times of crisis. That marriage will go. Into calamity. That family begins to neglect. The things of the word. And the things of God in their home. And pretty soon a a predicament happens or an emergency happens. But I want to bring you back to this. It's not always just sudden. The Holy Spirit was trying to get your attention way before that. He was moving. He was stirring your heart. I was just passing... Um, through the parking lot on Monday, came up to the office briefly, want to visit the school, visit the teachers and the young people. It was there, lunchtime, uh, just passing by uh, Brother Joel Ray's wife. She was the lunchtime supervisor. And um, the, the children are playing and the children are being children. And she just said, Brother John, just for a moment, and she needed to slip inside. So I just paused for a moment there and Brother Selicum's Little boy, I don't see him here tonight. The little boy, he come running up to me. Is he here tonight? Little boy said, Brother John, when was the last time you were in an earthquake? I thought that's a surprising question from my little friend. I'd give him a hug, you know. Wow, when was the last time you were in an earthquake? And I thought, are you talking about the wind? Are you talking about the fire and the earthquake? He said, yes. And then he said, you showed those pictures. And we remember when the Alaska had an earthquake a few months ago, and I showed the photos of the car and the earthquake. Who remembers that? And he remembered that. 
He said, when was you in an earthquake? I said, no, I wasn't. In that earthquake, someone sent me those photos. Oh, he said, where did you get those? And he goes on to ask questions. And then, then he said, the next time you preach, you preach on the still small voice. Oh, that's incredible. God wasn't in the fire, wasn't in the wind, wasn't in the earthquake, but it's in the still small voice. And by then, Sister uh, Ray had stepped out of it and she was overhearing this. I, I turned around and said, wow, out of the mouth of babes. The next time I preach, I'm going to speak on the still small voice. Brother Brown said, America is all about noise. They want the loud music. I was listening to that message this week on painted face Jezebel. And Brother Bram's talking about America. They like the noise. They like the music. They like it fast. There's something about the still small voice. There's something about the Holy Spirit. That even a little boy desired the still small voice. I thought, what about us? Is he speaking out of the mouth of babes as a desire of his heart? I pray God give us peace. I pray God will bring you comfort in your calamity and in your situation. But don't wait till that time to call on God. God's not some big doty, big fat grandpa. I heard Brother Branham say that today. That just wants to give you everything you want. He's a father. And he knows what's best for us. And it's not always candy and pop, sugary things. Sometimes it's corrective. And he sees us going down a road and he wants us to turn us. Because he knows the future. I want to encourage you tonight. Let the still small voice be the thing that dictates your life. And not the noise. Not the crowds. Even in our church, you can seek to be popular or seek to go in a certain direction. I don't want to shock anyone here, but not everyone in our church is serving the Lord the way they should. But we're still family. And we still have the token. And as long as we apply the life and keep the token, we're believing for one another. So don't get sarcastic and always harsh. Let the Holy Spirit bring that that nature through you that you can win that person for God. And let me say this. And if God can't use you, maybe there'll be somebody else that can touch their heart. So stop destroying one another. And say, God, whatever it takes and whoever you got to use. Friends, we are in times of crisis. God all the time was stirring and loving you in times of peace. I thought of four things today about crisis, just things I've observed personally. And that is number one, are people that do not know there is a crisis. There can be a crisis and something very bad happening right around them and they don't even know. The Bible speaks about the simple ones or those that lack wisdom or knowledge. 
I want to say that's the number one group. People that do not know there's a crisis can be happening right around them and they don't even know. Number two, it is those that are in denial. And though the crisis is right there, imminent, all around them, they will not admit that anything's wrong. It's like the flames are all around them. It's like they're on an iceberg and it's cracked all around and things are breaking and things are going and they will flat deny that anything's wrong. That's very dangerous. That's the number two group. People that there can be crisis all around them and they, they're in denial. God help us. Number three is the group that refuse to respond in the time of crisis. They know there's things are not right. They know something's wrong, but they will not respond. They become stubborn and stiff-necked. God help us tonight. I'm speaking to myself and all of us. That we re- that if we get to a place where God reveals there's trouble there. It is not good. And you're staring straight at it. And you refuse to do anything about it. I pray God set a fire. Put a love inside of your heart. When we hear a prophet say, she'll know what he wants done with the word. And how and when, that is specifically in your situation. That the Holy Spirit will drop down into moments before the crisis. Before the breakup. Before the emergency. Friends, don't be looking right at the issue and refuse to do anything. And lastly, lastly, is the group that I part, I believe we're a part of, you're a part of. And that is there are certain people that when they see crisis, they respond appropriately. They take action. Either to avoid the crisis or to get out of it. It's like their burden begins to be like this. Lord, what can we do? Where are you leading us? What is your mind in this situation? Hello, somebody. Times of crisis, calamity, emergency. I pray that the token families are those that respond appropriately. And they take action. Can I speak about the token family for just a little bit? I I need to turn our thoughts now to the token families. These are individuals. And they are families that respond to the word in their day. Not just another day, not another church, not what another family's doing. They're not trying to measure themselves by another person. That's a shame, friends, when it comes down to that. Each one of us need the Holy Ghost. And I'm not your Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a person. He is the token. So we speak about ministry or counselors or Sunday school teachers or fathers or mothers or helpers. Brother Branham said, the minister don't have the revival in a briefcase. No, no, it's not the minister bringing the revival. It's the Holy Spirit in the individuals. He puts a burden there. 
He opens your eyes to, Lord Jesus, what's happening? Or what do we need to do? But I'm not going to stop there tonight just by a person crying out and saying, oh, oh, we've got a problem. Or what do we do? God wants to lead you. I think we're living in serious times. I know this is an unusual service, but only the bride is going in the rapture. Only the elect that apply the token are getting out of here. So the, the token families are ones that avoid and they get out of the calamity. They say, God, don't let that happen to us. Let's go back to Exodus. Let's go back there. I know this is a familiar scripture, Exodus 12, 12 and 13. But it was in April time and the time when the lamb was taken and they looked and they watched it and looked for it from the April 10th to April 14th. You can read that in the first few verses of that chapter, but in Exodus 12, 12, we just only have a few more minutes for this Wednesday night service. But the Lord said, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. God just hates the gods of sports. Gods of fashion. There have been so many sisters taken with the God of fashion. There's so many young men that have been taken by a God of a video game. I wonder how many cell phones is Satan's hook into the heart of men and women that is destroying their prayer life. It has literally robbed their lives of the word of God. And it's not the device that's evil. It is a lack of Holy Ghost discernment. To know when and how it's appropriate. I pray God, verse 12, would destroy every God among us that is not of Him. And I pray that He would blast with His nuclear powers the desires and the love that would be in any of our hearts. That would cause any of us to miss the rapture. Are we together tonight? May the Holy Ghost, like a laser, destroy that serpent. I've just got a few more minutes, but this is a burden on our hearts. But once the Holy Ghost does that, it's over. Now watch this in verse 13 to you token families. The blood shall be to you for a token. Today, it's the Holy Ghost. Today, it's not the chemistry, it's the life. So a genuine believer loves the Holy Spirit. They love the Word of God. They're not running from Him, they're running to Him. Can we deal with Lucifer and and a wrong spirit right here, right now in the service? If there's come a wrong spirit... Or a spirit among us, or my, myself, my family, your families. That would cause someone to run out the door and run out the, down through the hallway, down through the hallway of Egypt. 
and think this is cool, this is fun, this is wonderful. Oh, this is so beautiful. Oh, culture and all the lights and the noise. If that is in any of our hearts, that Almighty God would destroy that thing. And from its roots, from the root of it, begin to tear out the roots. Can we agree about that? Release your Holy Spirit, Lord. The blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Lord, pass over us. Pass over our house. I'm bringing you back to the next part here. Comma. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. If I was you and you saw the smiter and calamity and Lucifer licking his little tongue at your family, at your relationship or at some issue in your life. I would take this as thus saith the Lord and say that plague will not destroy us. Where are the daddies? Where are the mamas? Where are the young people? That they put their hand on the door. They want to run. They want to go. But the Holy Ghost says no. You're my son. You're my daughter. I've let you go. I've let you think. I've let you reason. But you're my child. Satan wants to reduce our strength. And bring us down to nothing. To strike us at the core. I defy that devil. It's time for you and I and the elders in our church and the ministry, which we have been. And pray God, don't let us stand alone. But may we bond together as a family. The token families are not destroyed. Hallelujah. When the dust settles... The token families are going to be standing there. The catastrophe does not take them down. Satan thought he would get them. Satan thought he'd take you into immorality and destroy your testimony. Even right now in this service, Satan is warring and battling and thoughts and complexes and disillusionment and fears and questions. I think it's time we just cast all that in the fire and say, oh Lord, send the power just now. Let your Holy Spirit restore unto me, restore unto us. Catastrophe does not take the bride. The predicament only draws us closer to Jesus Christ. When death comes in, the believer says, God already knew that was going to happen. I wrote this in my notes yesterday. It was my last thing to write down before I left my, left my office. Desperate times calls for a token response. And we are living in desperate times. 
So desperate times call for a token response. Not your flesh. Not your family strength. Not your Chinese spirit or your African culture. Or your American spirit or your Canadian spirit. We are not of that. Our kingdom is from above. So let the anointing of the token fall on you. Desperate times calls for a token response. God hates sin. (coughs) If I had another service, we'd probably start it right here. God hates sin. He hates iniquity. It doesn't matter who it is or whose family it is or what church it is in. God hates it. He hates iniquity and transgression. But I'm thankful he's provided a bleached blood and a way out of that. Thanks be to God. We are not left here to wonder and mire in our disillusionment. And we're not going to live the future looking at our rearview mirror. And this happened there and that happened there. We're growing up now. You're down the road, brother. Sister, you're further down the road. And God is calling us to stewardship. Yes, God hates sin. But he hates neglect too. You neglect your home. There's going to be a payback day for that. And we all want the ministry and we want to call the 911 and we got texting now and we got email and we want an instant response. But don't forget, if you neglect your home, Satan will destroy you. Just as many promises we have that are positive, it is true on the other side. You cannot neglect spiritual things and expect a spiritual blessing. The only way out of it is a quick repentance. And for somebody to say, I am wrong. We was wrong. God help me. And where do we start right now? When do you move when God lays it on your heart? How can we expect our children and our young people to be more spiritual than we are as adults? I'm asking a serious question. How can we expect and demand for some of you, our children and our young people to live at a higher level? And some of you know in your own homes, it's not right. God will not bless that. He will not overcome a father or a mother Outside of the token, the only grace for those children is the Holy Spirit. And no matter how spiritual you are, you still have a cockaboo nature. And and if you look down the phone list, it's not our last names that's going to get us in the rapture. Whatever your last name is, who cares? And I'll include the Andy's name with that to let you know I'm not getting at you. It's got to start somewhere that in times of calamity and crisis, and this isn't just the last week or two, this has been on our hearts through January, 
You say, well, you say, well, but then things become public or then a friend knows or maybe a minister knows or a school teacher knows or somebody else knows and you know, then you're embarrassed. Then there's shame. I'd like to blow that devil right out of the water. The Holy Ghost knows everything. He knows everything. Say, but you only heard half the story. Or if you only really knew what was going on. God knows everything. And he will not bless something that's not right. And the fivefold ministry are not musicians. And we'll just wave over your family. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Some magical one. If there's trouble, if there's calamity, that's when real men and women manifest their real colors. And they call out to God. They begin to cry out to God and say, God, where are you? Then some of us need to ask this question. Where am I? How did it get here? Boy, it really gets broken down, doesn't it? Down to, it really sifts right down to where we live. Maybe that's what we've been neglecting. And we want to hear things way up here and get us up there. And when really that's not where many are living. God, bring us back to the home where we should be looking our eyes, looking to that heavenly home. I trust we hear that on Sunday morning loud and clear. But we'll never be at that home. If our homes down here on earth are not reflecting godly character. When Brother Branham said in the token, and we need to close here, I know. But he said, we've not just come together to talk about the message. They come together to apply the blood. So friends, so Tom, we've become this generation where we're listeners and we listen and we try to soak and absorb. Can we become more people of action? Where we're applying the word? We're saying, yes, Lord. Remember, they took the hiss up. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. What are you doing that for? I don't want death to strike my son. I wouldn't want my wife to go that way. I wouldn't want my daughter to have her spirit destroyed and raped. So the daddy and the mommy. Friends, don't be part of the group where there's crisis all around them and they don't even know. That's the number one group. Don't be part of another group that they're faced with it and they're totally in denial. In fact, they try to sing their praises and what I'm doing for the church and what I've done for others and look at my gifts. Friends, we have nothing to show outside of the grace of God. And don't be part of the group, God forbid. They see it. They see the crisis. They see the trouble. But they refuse to act. They sit there numb. I was thinking of this today. Excuse me for interjecting his, here about when they've come together not to talk about the token, but to apply the token. I thought, Lord, if there's some of our people that are genuine soldiers and they're going down the boxcars of 
through life. And maybe they've been in this place for a while and they've still never found their place. They've never found their position. They're, they're still, you look at them and just, it's just not alive. It's not life. Then it's time to gather things together and move on down the track because the very next stop might be where there's a water tower. Do you understand where we're going? Where spiritual amnesia takes a hold of a person, a family, a church. And they get so comfortable with things. I pray God send somebody to move that boxcar down the track. When God knows that brother back there, that sister back there. Their place is right down the road, right around the corner. So for their sake, it's time to move. It's time to act because I want them to go walking through down a pathway and you might be watching them and saying, what are they doing or where are they going? Why are they acting like this? It's not normal. We need to guard. We need to stop them. We need to bring them back. And little do you know that their eyes are coming open. They're realizing I'm not where I ought to be. I've been numb. I've been cold. I'm not a real soldier. I don't even know my name. And they turn and they go and they hit against a tree and they look around and they stumble. Keep going, brother. Keep going, sister. Because right up over this little hill is a little clearing. And there's a house there. And there's a man on the porch. That's your father. And the, and the young man or the young lady or the daddy or the mommy down the road will say, I'm so thankful that you all moved for us. Because when they come over this little clearing, this issue, this calamity, all of a sudden the lights begin to move, their hearts begin to vibrate. And the father begins to run out and say, I always knew you would come back home. How many desire to see that more among us? It's not all about me or you. It's about those of God's sheep. And I thought of this today. It doesn't matter who needs to preach it. What their last name is or what their first name starts with. But Lord, let's hook up those cars and let's move on down the track. I want to see that seat. Where that person used to be cold and indifferent and glad, I want to see them come alive. And Brother Branham said, that's what you must do. Brother Pastor Neville, unto this congregation, trustees, deacons, this is the token. To you brethren, it's time that we laid aside all the foolishness of the world. Time we laid aside everything else. We've seen enough now. We've seen enough now. Till we are positive. And the token must be applied. Without it, you're going to perish. You must perish. That's the only way. And I put here, people need to stop being offended. 
Even in that quote there, you say, oh, Brother John, you said Pastor Neville, congregation. Who are you? You're not the pastor. You're not dead. You're coming. You're hitting at our church. God forbid. This is our church. We're in the same family. We're not looking at the hinder parts. We're looking at the glory that is being revealed, but God wants to reveal further. And Brother Branham spoke, and, and when, 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 when the word is coming like this, we need to stop being offended. Because our church will never be stronger than the people in our church, than the families in our church. Then I say, Lord, strengthen our people. Strengthen our families. Let the token be applied. You say, oh, don't come together and say, I believe it. I've seen people stop right there. I've heard, I've heard great meetings preached on, just believe it, just believe it. Do you believe it? And you watch what that produces. You watch the progression of that. And they use quotes of Branham. Brother Branham, they use quotes in the Bible. But it does not produce the life. Brother Branham is saying, don't come together and say, I believe it. He said, get underneath it. Get into it. How do it? By one spirit will baptize into the body of Jesus Christ. Everyone believe with all your heart. He was not responsible for any that was out beneath it. I don't want to get out from beneath it. God bless you as we bow our heads together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, let us wash our clothes tonight. Let's wash our clothes and stop coming at one another. Let's get ready. Let's get ready for those scriptures to be manifested. Brother Branham said, get ready, apply it, believe it. Clean up, let your children, let your family, let your loved ones see it in you. And it'll take an effect. Because the token is for the evening time. This is the evening time. This is the last days. I heard Brother Bradham say today, get under the token quickly. This lamb was for the home. It was for the family. Then I pray, God, help us just to end just the talk. And let it go into an action where we see the word manifested. And if we've missed the mark there or somewhere, forgive us. And don't let us be so heady and high-minded. No matter how many years we've been serving God or in the message or you've done things for the church. That is in the past. As the bride now receives the token and the family begins to receive the inspiration for what God wants to do in our day, in our time. We need to say, Lord, let the blood be applied. Hear Brother Murphy preach a whole service on the love of God. And it will never end. And it will never end. And for some it ended before nine o'clock that night. And by Monday morning and by Monday afternoon, there was no love. There was no feeling. It was right back to the same old, same old. 
But there's got to be a sister or a brother or old or young that in the midst of that crisis says, God, this is not right. Did I miss it? Do I need to go back and hear Sunday morning again when ravens, ravens were commanded to sustain the word? Birds that don't even have a soul. Birds that feed off of flesh and eat off of bread. What spoke to that raven to sustain the word for their day? Then I thought, God, what about us as God's people? We have a soul. God has revealed his word to us, his mind, the mind of Christ. You're more than a raven. You're more than a possum. You're more than an animal. You're more than a hornet. You're more than a bull. You have something down inside of you that can respond to the Holy Spirit and to God Almighty. That no matter what crisis or calamity or trouble, you can lift up your head and say, Father, into your hands I commit my life. I commit my relationship. I commit this situation. God has not committed you over to Satan's hands. The Holy Spirit has you in his hands tonight. And it is for our good. I wonder who would be in this token family with every head bowed and say, God, I want to apply the token into my own life first. I want to apply the words and the messages that I hear. Then if you're a person of authority, I wonder if you'd say, God, give me discernment and your wisdom to apply the token to those around me. Those that I have jurisdiction over. Those that I've been called to influence. God bless you. Some have their hands raised. Is there any young here, children or older ones that might say, Brother John, my my life is young or my life is old. I don't know. But the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. In this time, this last days of crisis and calamity, to not neglect those things that he's speaking into your heart. Sweep over our congregation, Jesus. Move through our assembly, Jesus. Through mothers and fathers, the young, the children, the babies, into the teenagers, up to the, the those in their 20s and 30s, the middle-aged, the older ones and the elders. But their strength seems to be be reducing and reducing. But let the power of God move in us and move in our lives in a greater way. To step up to the challenge. Step up to that place. When you come into the land. When you come into the land. Maybe spiritually you can look around in your prayer heart tonight and say, God, I'm in the land. I'm in the promise. I'm in the Holy Ghost. May it be manifested, Lord God, in my situation. And let the cry of God, deep down in the burden of your soul, begin to echo out into that situation that seems like it's out of control. It seems like all is lost. It seems like it's just numb. But tonight already, through even the weeks of this year, God has been preparing by His Spirit Messages to your heart. 
I would encourage you to respond to that. Respond quickly. Just respond to his beckoning and his dealings as a sheep would follow the voice of the shepherd. I follow you, Lord. I start right now. And some of you could say, I continue right now, Lord. I'm continuing. But I want to be more sensitive. I want to be more tender, God, to that leadership, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your dealings, Lord. For your gentle, still, small voice that talks to us on a Wednesday night. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We are living in a delicate and a trembling hour, Father. In a very dark age. But we thank you that your word has come to us. Many are in the assembly tonight with burdens and needs. But I pray the Holy Spirit has echoed encouragement and strength to them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Let's sing that song, Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. Your face is all I see. On this Wednesday night, so many of your children are here, young people. Some of you are even sick. Some of your family is sick. God bless you. Those on the internet that couldn't be here and said, I'll be streaming. My wife's not well. My husband's not well. May God touch you even now. Maybe you're in a pew tonight and you thought this was just a sermon and words. May it not be sermon and words. But may the life of God follow each one of you into the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. In Jesus' name. Let's just love him a little bit right before you go and you slip out into this cold night. Let's sing it to him. Oh Lord, you're beautiful. Yeah.
Thank you for raising Sister Rachel to be a fine Christian young lady. I was sitting next to Sister Leona last night right here. She was in the rehearsal. I said, I'll put a little box of Kleenexes here for you. 
Brother Eli would walk down your daughter. She said, no, Brother John. I don't have no tears of sorrow. She said, I believe God's going to use this wedding. God's going to use this wedding. Touch somebody. I thought, isn't that powerful? She's not thinking of herself and the emotion of the moment. She's thinking of others. I pray God bless all of your families. Bless your children and your relationships. May it only get greater and higher. Our Father, we thank you for being good to us. Over the years, Lord, even the services that you've had with us. and It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And to know that as we've lingered even tonight and shared burdens and talked with one another, the Holy Spirit is faithful to go home with us. Your word is true. And you are never wrong. Pray that you would go with every heart and every life. Pray that you would comfort those that are mourning, those that are dealing with situations in their homes, health things, things in their spirit, that you would heal their wounded hearts. Most of all souls of men and women would have faith to tarry and carry on. Carry on, soldiers. Carry on, soldiers. What an encouragement, Lord. We hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Carry on, soldiers. We thank you, Father. We thank you for one another. We look into one another's faces. We're encouraged and renewed. It's given us inspiration to go another day, go another mile, go another week, go another month, go another year. As long as you tarry, we will wait. We want to be ready and help one another. And if we can encourage somebody to be ready also, don't let us be bashful and shy about it. Let us be real brothers and real sisters and real friends. Let us be real men and women with one another. Be real soldiers to one another. Encourage one another. Put strength inside of another person. And if they lack, let us put something that we have inside of them. Forgive us if we've lived on the edge. Forgive us if we hardly have anything to give anymore. And it, some little thing pushes us over. Forgive us, Lord. When we ought to have virtue to give to others, some passerby or some Samaritan, somebody that needs wine and oil, let us have more than enough. Let us give it freely to one another. A real firm handshake and say, God bless you. I'm remembering you this week. In Jesus' name, Lord, may you be with our people and be with your bride around this world. Until we meet again, we love you, Lord. Catch us away and take us home. We invite the resurrection. But as we pray to you today, why are you tearing? Why are you lingering? And it seems like a voice came into our heart that if there is for someone that's not in the fold, if there's another hundred or another thousand in Uganda or another person that's not where they ought to be, I'm willing to wait. We're willing to tarry. We're willing to lay out as we did today on the carpet in our little study and ask you for a word that would be in season. Bless your people, Lord. In Jesus' name we receive it.
We go in Jesus' name, Lord. Let us lift up our heads. Heal our land. Strengthen the feeble. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. There's a a wedding here on Saturday morning at 1030. You're all invited. But there's a great wedding and a wedding supper. Don't miss it. God bless you. Shake hands with somebody. Oh, it's greater than all our sin.